Isolation comes before desolation. Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. Ladies and gentlemen, the interview you're about to hear was actually recorded with Bishop Tony Miller in October of 2020. And what we didn't know at the time was that it would be one of Bishop Tony Miller's last interviews. Bishop Miller unexpectedly passed away on January 19th of 2021, and it left so many heartbroken and at a complete loss. Bishop Miller was a pastor. He was a mentor. He was a spiritual father to so many people in the kingdom of God. Personally, I have never met anyone like Tony Miller. It is entirely impossible to express the impact Bishop Tony Miller has made on my life personally, on my family, and indirectly the church that I pastor. Listen, his influence, his leadership, his wisdom impacted the trajectory of my calling and my destiny in ways that is nearly impossible for me to explain. When Bishop Miller spoke, vision was expanded. Prophetic truth was released, and the heart of every leader in the room would end up very encouraged. He was my mentor, he was my coach, and he was my friend. Bishop was an apostolic and prophetic voice that called out the destiny and leaders with an incredibly potent combination of love and kingdom authority. I have personally never met anybody like him. Our hearts and our prayers are with the Miller family and the Gate Church. We have truly lost a general. In the interview you're about to hear, it will highlight Bishop's wisdom. It will highlight his love, this apostolic call that he carried to raise up and care for so many leaders. Let's go to my original interview with Bishop Tony Miller. Our special guest today is Bishop Tony Miller. Bishop, welcome to Transformational Truths. We're really honored to have you. Thank you so much. It's a great honor to be with you and to be a part of this incredible podcast that has begun that's going to touch so many lives and help so many people. Well, thank you. I've been really looking forward to our conversation. Here's today's Transformational Truth. Isolation comes before desolation. And we're talking about the importance of a leader's relationships and the practical dangers of isolating ourselves from others. Uh, Bishop, it seems like now more than ever, people are finding themselves more and more isolated. Uh, sometimes it can feel like we're too busy for friendship. Other times we felt the sting of betrayal and we just fear getting hurt again. But the cost of being out of relationship runs steep. Uh, Bishop, I once heard you say something I want to share with our listeners. You said, our blind spot grows in isolation until the blind spot becomes a black hole that we fall into. Wow. Can you talk to us for a few minutes about the dangers of leading from a place of isolation? Yeah, thank you. It's a, it's a joy for me to be able to speak to this. You know, I've spent 
42 years of my life leading and the last uh, 30 plus years speaking to leaders all over the world and uh, over 80 nations of the world. Hmm. And you know what I found out, Travis, is I found out whether I'm sitting in the home of a, a political leader who's the president or prime minister of a nation, or whether I'm sitting at a table with a, a CEO or I'm sitting in a room with a pastor. Hmm. Uh, there's certain things about relationship intelligence that everyone hmm. else have to learn. A lot of times we spend a lot of time looking at people, even when we hire them or bring them on our team, we want to know about their IQ. Uh, we even started learning about their EQ, their ability to deal with their emotions. But what we rarely talk about is their relational hmm. intelligence. And what we find out is the things that make teams function, makes life go to the way it was supposed to be lived to its fullest is when people understand not only the power, but the purpose of relationships that God built us for connection. Right. We were designed for that. We were wired that way. And a lot of times it's our fear of vulnerabilities that cause us to run from them and isolate ourselves. Some of those are identity issues. Some of those are uh, unworthy issues. Some of those are fed by really bad theology but here's what I want to say today to all of our listeners is that the kingdom is administered relationally. Mm. It's administered relationally. When you realize that the call in the kingdom is first to a person, it's not to a building, it's not to a doctrine. When, when the invitation was given, Jesus didn't say, follow my teaching. He said, follow me. Come follow me. Right. When he called the apostles, the first 12 that he called, he didn't call them to preach. Mark chapter right. 3, the Bible says, he said, come be with me. Hmm. He called them to relationship, and then out of relationship, he gave them an assignment, and they found purpose. And if I understand anything about the, the New Testament uh, context, is that the Bible that we preach from and read from is a Bible written to a community. Mm. We in can, can I yeah. lean into this for a minute? Yeah, please. We, yeah, this is we, important. We in North America, in particular, in the Western world, in particular, have bought into a hyper individualism, and we preach from that position. Yeah, but the Bible teaches that we is always greater than me. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So while I'm not trying to get my blessing, I'm trying to figure out how the community I'm a part of can live out what God called it to be. Hmm. So if I live in this, you know, everything about us even falls into that. I mean, think about it. John, uh, Frank Sinatra taught us, uh, I did it my way. Um, you know, the right. Western cowboy mantra, I pulled myself up by my own boots. Right, right, right. And almost we got to a point that we taught people that if you needed anybody, you were weak. That was a sign of weakness if you needed anybody in your life. And so what we're, what we're trying to find and discover is the fact that the only time in the Bible that God actually says something he did was not good, and that is, is when he made a man and he ended up being alone. Mm. <laughs> that man was alone. God said, that's not good. It's not good. Sun, stars, moons, planets, that's good. Cows, sheep, that's good. Grass, trees, that's good. Man alone, that's not good. Wow. 
And he wasn't talking just about marriage. He was talking about the power of relationship. Right. Because it's a picture. Proverbs 18.1 says, a man who isolates himself is seeking his own desires and is acting mm. foolish. Wow. So when I begin to lean into isolation as a way of life, I'm beginning to go inward in ways that will eventually become destructive to my life. It'll certainly become destructive uh, to the patterns that God's called me to fulfill as an assignment. Wow. I want to take a minute and just recap a couple of things, uh, Bishop, that you just shared with us Uh, for our listeners. um, You said the kingdom is administered relationally. That is extremely important. I think, especially in the day and age that we're living uh, when relationship can at times feel rare. Uh, then you said out of relationship, Jesus gave them an assignment. Um, when you were talking about our tendency to individualize everything we read in the scripture, it reminded me of Paul's writing in Romans 8. Uh, for many years, I, I remember growing up and always hearing it quoted, um, uh, I am more than a conqueror. And then one day um, I read it for myself, you know, as I began to grow and saw that it didn't say I, it said we. We are more than conquerors, and um, which points to the the important principle that you're teaching us right now. We were created for a relationship, and together um, we can conquer. Wow, um, we're coming out of the gate pretty strong here, Bishop. Yeah, and if you if you actually go through the a lot of Paul's writings, another example, Colossians chapter one twenty eight, we all talk about Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, mm-hmm. that word "you" there is not singular; it's plural. Mm. It's not Christ in you singular as the hope of glory. It's Christ in this body, covenanted body of believers. Wow. The hope of glory in the earth. Wow. Why no one man, no one ministry will ever change the world by themselves. Right. You know, years ago, I heard this statement. It said, if you ever see a turtle sitting on a fence post, just know he didn't get there by himself. Right. (laughs) So anybody you see that's accomplishing anything they probably did it because they learned the power of relationship. Yeah. Ah, that's so important. Wow. Um, Bishop, in our current leadership culture specifically, uh, friendship can seem very elusive. Um, I think identifying and building those life-giving relationships that you're teaching us about um, just doesn't always seem to be high on the list of priorities for a leader. I don't know that it's always been that way, um, but it's definitely, that seems to be the predominant um, mindset or at least uh, reality oftentimes in our current culture. And and I would even say in our, unfortunately, sometimes in our ministry culture, how do you think we got here? How did, how did we get to a place that, that relationship, friendship, isn't as much of a priority as I think God was ordained it to be. How did we get here? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. And how, how we meandered down this pathway uh, probably comes from several different things, but I think it is a diabolical plan of the domain of darkness Mm. to keep people separated. Yeah. The world works and profits off of dividing people. Mm. If you don't believe that, look at the present culture we're living in. 
Right. All of the media, et cetera, is making money and progress by promoting division, separation. Yeah. yeah. Even church world, denomination. I'm not against denominations. Yeah. Denomination. There are a numbered nations, number of nations. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says there's one holy nation. Wow. We're one holy nation. But we want to divide people by politics. We want to divide people by race. We want to divide people by age. Yeah. We want to say that a 60-year-old can't talk to a millennial. And, right. And so we put all this premium on division. But I believe it began in the book of Genesis, Travis, really. The mm. first murder in the Bible was not a drive-by shooting. The first murder in the Bible was between brothers. Yes. The attack was on brotherhood. Because the thing that moves the kingdom forward is when brethren dwell together. When there's a sense of brotherhood, uh, there is a command blessing Wow! that comes on that place. Joseph got sold by his brothers. He didn't get sold by an enemy. He got sold by right. his brothers. Right. Here's the, here's the amazing thing. If I, if I can take a minute, if we don't learn to reframe our thoughts about what's happened to us relationally, because we could spend the next week sitting here talking about how many times we've been hurt. Everybody's been hurt. Everybody's been right. afraid. Everybody said somebody didn't live up to their promise. That's The issue is not what went wrong. The issue is what do I need in my life in order to be whole and to live fully alive? Yeah. So the, the, um, the book of Ephesians is, a, to me, a goldmine of, of truth for us. And the first three chapters all deal with our redemptive realities and the promises and all the things that took place. And in chapter four, he begins to give us the practical application of live that out. Right. So, but in chapter one, he ends this great prayer that Paul's praying in verse 23. He says in verse 22, he says, and he has been given authority over all things, which is to his church comma, which is his body comma. Mm. He, which fulfills everything everywhere. He fills everything everywhere. So the only way that the world ever begins to experience fullness is by being connected to a people. You, he intended that fullness come through Christ, and Christ is now manifest through a body, which is his mm. church. So everything God wants to do in an individual's life, he wants to do in the context of community. And everything God wants to do in the world, he does in the context of his community called the church. So mm. the church is sandwiched. This, this, this relational group of people is sandwiched in between God's work in the world and God's work in individuals. And he says, you know what? Do you know what hurt you was people? But you know what's going to heal you is people. People. I'm going to take what hurts you and use it to heal you. Because I'm going to give to you through you. Mm. I'm going to say that again. God wants to give to us through us. Wow. That's why in Luke 6, he said, if you give, it'll be given back to you. Good measure, press down, shaking together, running over. He didn't right. say angels are going to show up and dump stuff in your front yard. Right. He said, I will cause men to give into your bosom because I'm going to give to you, but it's going to come through you. In wow. other words, you have to find your places of divine connection that brings the fullness that you're looking for.
because it's in brotherhood that God commands the blessing on your life. That's the reason the attack today is against. That's why, that's why the enemy would much rather make us competitors than make us people who are covenanted together. Ah, uh, wow. And the, the other thing that I realized early on, I, I had some incredible spiritual fathers in my life that taught me valuable principles when I was a young preacher and, you know, leading. And, you know, I got to a point I was leading five different corporations. And, uh, but they taught me the value of this, that you think that bottom line finances, whatever metric you're using, attendance, whatever it is, you think that's the priority. But if you're going to survive, relationships are going to be the priority, both mm-hmm. vertically and horizontally. Because I dare say, Travis, that there are people listening to us today who not only struggle with horizontal relationship, yeah. struggle vertically with the relationship. Because everything flows to you out of relationship. Yeah. From above and from beside you. So you spell relationship. Let me make this really easy. You spell relationship T I M E. Time. Yeah. And I want to say to every one of your listeners today, you must start building relationships before you need them. Oh. Ah. Because if you don't take the time to build them before you need them, you'll try to build them in a moment of crisis and you won't be able to trust them. Uh, So I'm supposed to be hosting this interview, Bishop, but I'm getting so caught up in the teaching. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking notes um, as you're going and it's ministering to me right now. Let me just, all right, let me just go back and recap a couple of, you're dropping some transformational truth bombs of your own right now. I need to, Go back and recap this. And for our listeners, you might need to hit rewind and listen to that last two minutes a few times. Um, This is the note that I took based upon what you said. Competition is the enemy of covenant. My God. Um, That alone is probably its own podcast. But can we just pause for a moment and just follow that trail just for a second? There is such a temptation. At times I felt it. At times I've fallen for it. to compete with your brother instead of coming to your words, to come into covenant with your brother. Can you just talk about the dangers of competition in, in the midst of relationship? Yeah, I think obviously competition is competition and comparison are the twin demons of hell, right? Mm. They, they, they are both the things that take out more people than anything else. Yeah. But the, the, the point is, let me give an illustration. I started a while ago with it. Joseph was sold by brothers. How can brother brothers sell your younger brother and lie to your daddy about it? Let me right. tell you why those guys were able to sell him. Because they didn't see anything in themselves. All they could see is that he had a coat of many colors. They couldn't see what they had. Wow. Most people sell out other people when they don't have a true understanding of who they are and all Mm. they can do is concentrate on what the other guy has. You have to recognize there's something of value in me. I mean, standing there that day, throwing him into a pit was Judah. Mm. Judah was standing there, but Judah didn't know that the Kings of Israel would come out of his loins. He didn't know that the scepter would never leave his hand until Shiloh come. 
standing there was Dan. Dan didn't realize that a whole group of judges were going to come out who would judge Israel. Wow. And bring forth the true judger of all things. Stand, standing there that day was all of these, all these people. Issachar was standing there. Yeah, right. Who would be the man of wisdom and the guy that could understand the heavens. You know, Issachar was the astronomers of the Old Testament. They, right. they were the ones who read the stars. And the high priest couldn't set the dates for Passover without going to Issachar. That's, wow. why David, that's why David called for the sons of Issachar, not when he was warring, but when he was trying to reign. Because you don't need the you don't need all the insights to war that you do to reign. Because mm. if you're going to govern, you have to have insight from heaven in a different perspective. And so Issachar could read the heavens and know what to do on the earth. But Issachar was standing there. He didn't realize that. All he saw was his brother had something he didn't have. And when you see your brothers have something you don't have, it's easy then to sell them off because you feel threatened by comparing yourself and competing with yeah. what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. There are people listening to this, this podcast right now who feel like, well, I'm not in a prominent place. I'm not bringing to the table what so-and-so is bringing to the table. So it's not that. The issue is that there can only be one Steve Furtick. There can only be one T.D. Jakes. There can only be one Travis Hall. There can't be multiple ones. But if you never see anything in you, then you'll always want to judge, sell, and kill what's in somebody else. Mm. And here's what Joseph, Joseph didn't know any better either because he got sold into the pit, but he had to reframe his whole thoughts about relationships. And there are people listening to us today who said, I tried that. That don't work. That hurt. Right. I'm not going to do that anymore. But the reason we know Joseph reframed that is because by the time those brothers show up again, that's good. Wow. He says to them, you meant this for evil. Wow. You meant it for good. Wow. In fact, the writer of, somebody better hold on to their seat. The writer of Psalms said it this way. See, when we preach about Joseph, we talk about he was sold into slavery. Psalms 105 says in verse 17, and God sent a man before them who was fettered with iron. Mm. We talk about he being sold. In God's economy, he was sent. Wow. So some of the relationships that you thought did you in, only repositioned you for really what God had in intention for you to get to where you need to go. And you had to reframe what happened in those relational moments in order for you to actually step in to what God's agenda was for your life all along. Oh my goodness. Wow. Wow. Um, I can tell already this is going to be one of those episodes that um, we're all going back to, to take notes um, because it's hard to take notes when you're in your car. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, I want to, again, you're dropping so much truth. I, I don't want to rush past some of this Bishop. You said something, um, a few minutes ago, you said you must start building relationships ahead of time or else, uh, if you wait till you're hurt to build them, you won't trust them. Um, I've also discovered Bishop that if, if we wait till we're hurt to build them, We'll try to draw from them what we has, haven't deposited in them yet. Right, and, I'll, and, and we end up pushing away what could have been a good relationship because we're trying to pull something from them that we haven't taken the time to, to make the deposits in yet. My goodness, my goodness. Um, wow. Uh, 
let's take a look. Let's try to take a stab at number three and see how far we get. My Lord, Bishop, you're dropping some some uh, gold on us today. I heard you uh, say something a year ago, Bishop. We were in Dallas together with a group of leaders, and uh, it was something so important. I felt like it was important to bring up in our time together. You said this. You said far too often people will try to hide stuff in the presence of God that needs to be addressed in relationship with others. You said revival will not make up for voices that speak to your blind spots. Wow. 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 That was over a year ago. I heard you say it. It's still fresh in my mind. I wrote it down. I have revisited those notes multiple times. Can you just take a few minutes and unpack that statement for us? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take a stab at it. The, um, First of all, let me just speak to the whole revival worship experience situation in our lives. You know, experiences are meant to be catalytic moments. That's what experience yes. is about. Yes. If we get caught in, and you know, I, I, I've, if, I, if I can be a little bit vulnerable and open here, the the um, there was a time in my life. Not I don't do it today. I've, I've got a little bit more intelligence than I had then, maybe better boundaries. Um, there was, there was a time I was preaching 300 times a year. Oh my goodness. I would get on a plane and every day, three, four days a week, be in a different city preaching. And, and what I was going to was I was going to uh, convocations. I was going to conferences. I'm walking into, this is our annual conference. This is our 25th anniversary. This is yeah. whatever. So for every person in the room, it was their highlight moment of the year. Right. And I'd just been in three of them that week. Right. And you mm -hmm. become emotionally sort of numb to some of that. And you begin to operate out of your sense of, of calling and gifting without awareness to really what the process is all about. Because wow. every time I step into the presence of God, my experience with God is to be catalytic. That means it gives birth to something that he then can process. Wow. And if we think worship is the process, it's, it's, the, it's the thing that awakens us to the process. Wow. It may be involved in the process, but it awakens us. For example, Saul entertained worship differently than David did. And one of the issues we have today, even in our culture, is there are people that encounter worship moments to soothe their pain, not to catalytically move them into transformation. Wow. So they can they be at our altars and dance before the Lord and sleep with their girlfriend that night uh, and not feel anything about it because wow. they're experiential without ever having process. Am wow. I, am I talking okay? Yeah, absolutely. And so what happens to us as leaders is if we never let other voices, we substitute those high moments for the processing moments of our life. So we keep burying things that need to be dealt with because we don't ever want to bring them to the surface. And we think somehow we can get in somebody's prayer line that's going to do away with this issue. Right. And there are some things, I don't care how many people prophesy over you, pray over you, lay hands on you. They're not going to go away without you being up close in relationship with somebody who can speak truth to you 
yeah. I challenge you. See, I, I believe this, Travis. I don't believe I can be fully alive in Christ until I allow him to disagree with me. <laughs> until wow. he has the right to say, nope, I don't agree with that, Tony. And I respond to that in a positive way. Yeah. Um, so here's, here's an example. Uh, Jesus, in John 11, he calls Lazarus from the dead. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. He calls Lazarus from the dead. And here's a little part of the verse we miss. And Lazarus comes forth bound head and foot. Mm. Being made alive through Christ's call did not release him from his grave clothes. Wow. So he looks at the audience that day and says, now you loose him and let him go free. I brought him to life, but it's the relationships around him that's going to free him to live out oh. produced in him. That's why James says that we come to a point where we confess our faults one to another, not to be forgiven. I don't, I don't have to go to anybody to be forgiven. I, right. go to God. I have one mediator between me and God. That's Christ. Right. God can give me forgiveness. He can cancel the death that's working in me. Yeah. But I'm going to have to have somebody help me get my grave clothes off. Wow. So James says, confess your faults one to another, that you can be healed. That's why there's a lot of people walking around today forgiven and not healed. Wow. There's a lot of leaders who have the life of the Spirit on the inside of them, but they're broken emotionally. They're broken in their trust places. They're broken in their marriages. They don't know what to do with their kids. And it's primarily because they won't ever get close enough to anybody to let somebody. It's not like somebody has to tell me what to do. Sometimes it's just being that able to have, bounce things off people till I mm -hmm. can find my right. answers. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors, we say in the multitude of counselors, wisdom. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in the multitude of counsel, there's safety. In other words, wow. you say you stay safe until an answer can come. Wow. My goodness. Um, Bishop Miller, I've, I've uh, spoken to leaders um, on this issue and I've, I've had some say to me, and for the record, I can relate to what they're saying. Um, but they've said to me, you know, Travis, I've tried, I've tried to build relationships. There just seems to be a, a drought of people who are willing to be a real friend. And I just got, I just got tired of looking. Um, and they sort of, sort of settled into just, you know, doing their own thing, not wanting to be hurt again, maybe not wanting to be rejected again, because nobody likes, you know, not being called back. Nobody likes not getting a text message. Nobody likes a sense of rejection. What encouragement would you offer for the person who wants brotherhood or the person who wants sisterhood? Uh, but they're, they're genuinely struggling to find it. They've reached out a few times and they just, you know, it, it's just there's not a connection there or the person's not interested. What would you tell that person to encourage them today? Uh, first of all, I would say, you know, I'm, I'm very, my heart breaks for people who genuinely have tried to make connections and for whatever reason, it's never happened. That, that just breaks my heart. But here's a couple of things that, that, that I started early on and may be helpful to somebody. I quit looking for relationships that 
uh, I thought could get me somewhere. Mm. And I started looking for just relationships. Yeah. Because uh, Jesus went to the mountain to pray. That's what the Bible says. He prayed about those who should be with him. Right. And, you know, you and I and a lot of people listening today, I have a ton of friendships and acquaintances with very well-known people. Some of them are very, very dear friends. Yeah. I could pick my phone up in the middle of the night and they would respond to yeah. me. But I don't have that expectation from all of them. So setting boundaries on what your expectations are from people will be paramount in what you get from a relationship. Mm. Because everybody can't give you the same thing. Yeah. Even Jesus built his relationships on seven levels and never, never learned, never violated them. He was, he was sent to the world, called to the lost house of Israel, preached, taught, and fed the multitude, sent the 70 as his advance team, called the 12 to be with him, hmm. gave the secrets of the kingdom to the three, and he died alone. Wow. And what happens is if I start expecting from the 70, yeah. only the 12 can give me. Yeah. I end up in disappointment. Oh, that's so good. I start telling the multitude what I should have only told the three. Wow. Then I'm going to be in trouble. Wow. I'll actually sabotage my own spiritual development and, and health. So here's what I learned. I learned that, you know, he that desires to have friends must show himself to be friendly. I have to be willing to invest in order to receive. Hmm. So there has to be an investment on my part. I can't look at somebody and tell them, you be my friend. I can't demand that they be my friend. I can only be a friend. Yeah. Wow. If there's no reciprocation to that, then at least I know I've made a deposit of Christ in me to them. Mm. Maybe they were at a hurt place. But somewhere along the line, I'm going to find those key connections. I pray this prayer almost every day of my life, Travis. I pray, God, I want you to give me divine connections and divine appointments. Hmm. Divine connections and divine appointments. I believe when we met, it was a divine connection. Yeah. There was a lot of people in that room that day. Yeah. I, ha I haven't followed life through to the same degree with many of those people, most of those people, like I have with you. Yeah. The divine connection. You know where there's those connection points. Yep. And when you pray for those divine connections and divine appointments, God, let me meet who I'm supposed to meet. Right. Not who I strive to, not who I think. Because, see, here's what I, you know what, I, I, I believe that, I believe relationships are in three directions. You have relationships upward. I call them fathers, call them overseers, whatever you want to. Yeah. There's up, relationships upward. There has to be relationships downward. Yeah. you got to be pouring life into Right. Relationships outward are relationships that you search for and you look for. And you have to begin to say, what is, what is it that is going to allow me to release into others mm. what you've given me? And from them, how can I receive? And it needs, you know, sometimes my friends, I don't meet with them to talk about the Bible. I meet with them to laugh. Right, right. I meet with them to go eat. I meet with them to go on vacation. Right. The last thing I want to do is do a leadership seminar for two days while we're out having fun for hunting or doing whatever we're doing. That's we do. right. That's that, right. That, I want to, I, I want to be me and, and enjoy each other. Right. Because like recently I just called one of my, he's a spiritual son, but he's a dear friend. I just called him and I said, uh, 
let's go spend a couple of days together. And he said, okay, I know what's up. He just knows this. He's been with me for years. Mm. We've been in a relationship for uh, 35 years. And he said, I know what Bishop, he told somebody, I know what Bishop wanted. He wanted to get in an environment where he could just relax and be himself and draw. And I said to him when we left, we spent 72 hours together. I said, I feel like my batteries got recharged. Wow. Just by being with you. Wow. That's what true friendship does. Yeah. I, did, I didn't get sermon material. I didn't get anything that I'd write in a book. Right. But I got recharged. Right. I got fully alive again. Wow. 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 Oh, man. Bishop, it's rich. Um, the transformational truth that we're covering today is isolation comes before uh, desolation. And we've been talking about the importance of friendship and building relationship. Uh, Bishop, Tony, uh, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I think all of them are Tony Miller TV. And uh, my website is TonyMiller.tv. So that's pretty easy. Um, We have uh, leadership one day events all over America every year. This year with COVID has been difficult. Yeah, I have one coming up in Florida on November the 9th. Um, in Fort Myers, Florida, yeah. that we're going to try to make happen. But um, yeah, I would love to stay in touch with people. We have a lot of re- resource and opportunity for leaders to uh, build their own life and enrich what they have. God, God said to me years ago, Travis, he said, if you make other people your priority, I'll bless what you're doing. Mm. And I really believe that my whole mantra, we live by this, that your success is my honor. Wow. We can help you be successful. I've, I've succeeded. Well, Bishop, I've I've known you now for um, about uh, about a year and a half, and I can attest to that. Actually, I think it's been two years now, and I can attest to that truth. Um, you really live this out in your life, and you've been a mentoring voice in my life, uh, and I thank you for it. Um, uh, for our listeners, if you'd like to connect with Bishop Tony Miller, please check out the links that I've included for you in the show notes. And if Transformational Truths is helpful to you, please do me a personal favor. Take a moment, go to Apple iTunes, rate the show, write us a quick review. Uh, We want to help you restore the joy to your life and your leadership. Bishop, thank you for being here. Thank you, Travis. It's my honor. Blessings.